Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. High-tech buzzers, we have something a little different for you this week. We also have a small announcement to make before we get started. Yeah, we are going on holiday. That's right. It's Golden Week, also known as October National Holidays in China, where basically the entire country shuts down officially from the 1st to the 7th. And yeah, pretty much no one's doing anything, including our Pandaily team who are all going on their much-needed vacations. So you'll find that if you're trying to do a deal with China, no cigar, everything comes to a standstill. And even if you aren't in China, but you live in a big city, you might notice that there's going to be an uptick in Chinese visitors around you because last year, over 6 million Chinese tourists went overseas during this break. So what does this mean? It means that there is no Tech Buzz China next week. It also means that this week, while we're researching future stories for you, we're going to be doing our very first replay. That's right. We are replaying you episode 10 on the recently IPO'd May Twine, the super app that won against a thousand clones. This episode first aired in late June. Unlike some of the other companies we've covered recently, for example, Xiaomi and Neo, who had pretty lackluster IPOs and priced near the bottom of range, May Twine priced at the high end of expectations last week when it went public on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. It had a 5% gain on its first day, although it's back at IPO price as of yesterday, September 24th, meaning that the company is now worth just a bit under 50 billion USD. That makes it pretty much head-to-head with Xiaomi, and also makes it the fourth largest listed Chinese internet company in the world after BAT. In the following episode, you'll hear our views on Meituan, how it came to be, its business model, and a lot about its founder and CEO, Wang Xing. We really enjoyed making this episode and really hope you enjoy listening to it. Here we go. What are we talking about today, Ray? We are talking about a super app. A super app is an app that does many, many things. WeChat's one of them. It does messaging, payments, social media, gaming. We'll cover it, though, on a future episode. Because today, we're going to talk about Meituan. Meituan, the super app that's like a Yelp plus Groupon plus Uber Eats plus Fandango. It's now also doing bike sharing and ride hailing. Last valued at $30 billion, making it the fifth largest unicorn in the world after Ant Selmy based on its rumored IPO valuation, Uber and Didi. Meituan is supposedly going public at $60 billion in September. We haven't heard too much about Meituan in the past, not in the West at least. I think maybe because it's got no comparable analog. But today we're going to tell you about it and you let us know by the end of this episode. Are you a Meituan fan? And most importantly, are you a fan of its founder, 
Wang Xing. The president's key economic team goes to China. Uh, after whole night banking, I say I still want to do it. Hi everyone. We are Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily, powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. We are a new weekly podcast focused on giving you a peek into what's buzzing within the tech community in China. We uncover and contextualize unique insights, perspectives, and takeaways on headline tech news that don't always make it into English language coverage. Tech Buzz China is a part of Pandaily dot com, a new English language site that tells you everything about China's innovation. I am one of your two co-hosts, Rayma. And I'm your other co-host, Yingying Liu. We'd like to take a sec here to give a shout out to some of our listeners who've written in. So a huge thank you to Li Yunli, Lillian Ko, and Jamila Trindo. We're still working on those transcripts, so give us another week. Again, if you enjoy listening to us, please take the time to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes and elsewhere. It's really helpful for our sponsors. <music> Okay, Yingying. So I know you've had a complaint against the HBO show Silicon Valley for a long time now because you felt that all the Chinese characters on there were like scammy copycats with really questionable ethics and also intelligence. Yeah, look at the role they have Jimmy Yang play, for example. Even the latest twists and turns that are set in China, they fail to include a character who's both clearly smart and clearly ethical. It's such a shame, and it made me pretty mad. But then again, you know, no one character portrays a fully positive stereotype on that show. I guess. Yeah, I suppose you're right. And today, even though we're talking about a copycat, I think he's in a different league. Wang Xing is the founder of Meituan. And he is a master copycat. He is category defining. Honestly, I'm not so sure he copied as much as integrated. Wang Xing is only 39 years old. He's from Fujian, a province known for producing clever businessmen, and went to Tsinghua, arguably the top university in China, where he studied electrical engineering. In 2001, after graduation, he was accepted into the PhD program at University of Delaware, but didn't last long before succumbing to the lure of entrepreneurship and returned to China in 2004 to start a company with his former classmates. At the time, he stated that he had no idea what he was doing. He said that they were totally in the dark. But even from the beginning, his projects were social in nature. His first project was a sort of friend-making website. And by fall of 2005, the team had decided to make university social networks their focus. Sound familiar? They studied Facebook carefully and, learning from the mistakes of their prior projects, launched Xiaonei, which means inside campus. Within three months, they had 30,000 users, which is a lot for the time. However, with no money to buy more servers and bandwidth, Wang Xing had to sell it to Zhou Chen for about two million in October 2006. He was just 27 years old at the time. He wrote defiantly, quoting Winston Churchill, "This is not the end. It is not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning." So dramatic. That definitely sounds like Wang Xing for you. Anyway, Xiaonei was rebranded as Renren later on. It raised money from SoftBank and IPO'd in May of 2011. I actually worked on this IPO. Back then, it was known as the Facebook of China. It raised about 740 million dollars and made Joe a billionaire. And while we don't know the details, 
I'm pretty sure Wang Xing didn't get much of that upside. Nope, we're pretty sure he didn't because he quit Renren back in mid 2007 to launch Funfo, which was the first Chinese clone of Twitter. That's right. After cloning Facebook, he set his eyes on Twitter. Funfo is such a great name. I really gotta explain it to our listeners here. So, it actually comes from an ancient text where this one noble person is asking after the health of a very, very old official, and it literally means is he still eating? Because fun means food, and fo means whether or not. However, in the early 2000s, it became a meme that took on a different meaning. It now means "Have you eaten?" or "Chilema," which any beginner Chinese student will know is the Chinese way of asking, "Hey, how's it going?" That's right. So instead of "What's up," Chinese people ask each other if we've eaten, and that's what fun fo means. Basically, "What's up." So I can say "fun fo" tech buzz listeners. Yeah, I think that works better typed out and not spoken. Fun fo's earliest adopters were. Geeks, programmers, and nerds. But after being really hot in '08 and '09, it fell victim to censorship and was shut down, along with many competitors, in the summer. And it was inoperable for over a year and a half, or 505 days exactly. During this time, however, Xinlong Weibo came along and won the market, which we can talk about another day. But this marked the second time Wang Xing had lost a great multi-billion-dollar opportunity. I imagine at the time he thought to himself. This is still the beginning, because not long afterwards, by March 2010, he had launched Meituan, yet another clone, but this time of Groupon. Now, Groupon, if everyone will remember, launched in late 2008 and was the darling of the internet industry, which meant, of course, that people were going to try to replicate the model all over the world, especially since it was a relatively low-tech business. And in China, who better to do that than Wang Xing, who had already spent five years of his life trying to understand how to build communities online, because people at the time understood it as social selling, even though it wasn't really. Yeah, clones for Groupon sprang up everywhere and nowhere more quickly than in China. That eventually became known as the Thousand Groupon War or Qiantuan Zhen. Chinese people really like giving names to battles. It's a habit carried over from love of romance of the Three Kingdoms. Yeah, yeah. Remember Three Q? Anyways, well, if Wang Xing was mostly known to geeks on Funfo before the war, he became really known after he started Meituan. The Thousand Groupon War was one of the first bubbles in Chinese internet. A lot of capital poured in, and everyone was getting funded left and right. Most of it, though, went to user subsidies in the form of discounts, which was great for consumers, but terrible cash flow for the startups. And pretty soon, by the end of 2011, just a year and a half later, the thousand-strong Groupon clones had whittled down to just Wang Xing's Meituan, plus a few others, including ones started by the internet giants BAT. Okay, I really got to give you guys some perspective on how crazy it was, because that wave really took entrepreneurship in Chinese internet to a whole new level. Group buying was a pretty easy business to start, right? So basically, everyone had one. I kid you not. I personally invested in not one, but three founding teams who had previously started top ten China group buying businesses, and one of them actually went public. Yeah, it was、uh, eventually anyway in 2015. It was called Five Five Twan. I didn't invest in that company, unfortunately. I invested in their subsequent endeavor, and I just checked. By the way, Five Five Twan redirects to Meituan now. See, Meituan outlasted its independent competitors and is really the only one you go to now. But while Meituan had pretty much won the Groupon war back in 2011 and 12, that respite was brief 
because it quickly found itself in another war, the War of Takeout. And now we have to introduce a key player in this war, 大众点评 or just 点评 which literally means reviews. We have to really give a plug for 点评 here because it was both a great product for its time and it had a pretty introverted founding team, so they were not really loud in either Chinese or Western media. But they have such a good story. Such a good story. They're founded by Cal alumni, my alma mater. And they were founded in 2003, almost a whole year before Yelp was launched. I mention Yelp because, at least for the first 10 years of Dianping's existence, it was very similar to Yelp. It was a review service for restaurants and other offline services. And let me just say that basically had a monopoly in the cities it operated in. Everyone I know used it, especially for anything food-related. Yeah, to this day, I rarely get any invites for getting together that isn't a Dianping link. I also think it's better than Yelp because, from very early on, it allowed you to rate the restaurant on different dimensions, such as taste, ambiance, service, and even tag specific dishes. It was one of the first investments by Sequoia China. Sequoia put in one million dollars way back in two thousand six. Google also put in some money. It's one of the very few investments it made in mainland China, and it put in four million dollars back in two thousand and seven. It was really capital efficient and didn't raise any more money until 2011, when it accepted a cool 100 million dollars to grow its group buying and other businesses, which was by this time called O2O in China. O2O means online to offline. You know how everything is AI or blockchain these days? Everything was O2O in China back then, at least for like a good I don't know three years. Yeah. Anyways, what happened was back in 2013, Zhang Tao, the founder and CEO of Dianping, predicted that group buying would die, especially for Dianping, who already knew what users were looking at and considering to buy. So Dianping put in flash discounts, which allowed users to get instant discounts off their purchase in the store, basically like coupons. Because users of Dianping had such high intent to purchase already, this obviously worked really well, way better than Groupon's that directed traffic from scratch and tried to create the intent to purchase. However, Dianping, being born in the early 2000s and having just a generally slower approach to expansion, had really locked down the first and second tier cities, but was much smaller to expand compared to its newer, move fast, break things competitors. In fact, the media called it a slow company, Man Gongsi. But group buying made it change. Group buying at the time was the largest wave of venture capital investment in Chinese internet, like ever. So even slow Dianping was forced to adapt. Dianping expanded into food delivery and also small business services. It made an eighty million dollar investment in Ulama, a food delivery service that was recently bought by Alibaba for nine point five billion, which we briefly mentioned in episode one. Anyway, at the same time, Tencent invested for a twenty percent stake in Dianping back in two thousand fourteen. So things seemed to be going well, or did they? Not quite. These were capital-intensive businesses. Getting Groupons required thousands of offline salespeople going door to door, signing up vendors on individual campaigns. A lot of O2O businesses were capital-intensive offline. Food delivery required thousands of delivery workers on scooters. Definitely not cheap. And Mei Tuan, who already had millions of users for Groupons, saw the same opportunity in food delivery and small business services as Dianping did. But that meant it also had the same need for capex. So what happened for all of 2015 was basically we all heard constant rumors about, you know, the mega fundraisings that these companies were both going to do. They were fighting for investors and investors' money, but none of these rumors were confirmed. 
What we do know, though, is that both were losing money very quickly, and they were just in an emergency situation. In October eighth, two thousand fifteen, smack in the middle of Golden Week or China's annual week-long national holiday, Dianping and Meituan suddenly announced a merger. Yeah, it was really shocking, at least for me. The press release said that the transaction had the support of Alibaba, Tencent, and Sequoia, three of the major shareholders. The new combined entity would have co-CEO and co-chairman roles, with Zhang Kao and Wang Xing taking up both. So, at least on the surface, it looked like a complete merger of equals. Even the new name was a combination of the two companies, Xin Meida or New Meida, Mei for Meituan, of course, and Da for Da Zhong Dianping, Dianping's full name. Both brands were supposed to operate independently after the merger and focus on innovation. The combined entity was supposed to have 80% market share of the group buying business, and they were going to immediately try to complete a two to three billion dollar fundraise. Because remember, they were running out of money. It all sounded pretty good, right? Not really, because just over a month later, on November 13, 2015, the new company announced key HR changes. Zhang Tao was forced out of the company. I remember there was a photo of him sobbing on the shoulder of his co-founders. That was all over the news that week. It was really sad. Yeah. So, Team Wang Xing had won. First, Wang Xing had survived the Thousand Groupon War, and now he had survived the Dianping merger. But he wasn't going to stop there. There is a common saying in Chinese about the four pillars of life: Yi Shi Zhu Xing. Clothing, food, shelter, and transportation. Alibaba and Tencent have been especially aggressive about taking a piece of all four of these businesses as much as possible. Chinese people often joke that there's not one day that goes by without at least one of the companies or their subsidiaries interacting with you and knowing what you're up to. Wang Xing had a leading position in food already, but he was not going to let the others go so easily. So, where other entrepreneurs might have saw big competitors. In fashion, like Alibaba, lodging dominated by Sea Trip, and transportation, which had DD, of course, Wang Xing saw the synergies and the opportunity to integrate. Meituan bought its own payments license in 2016, and so can transact independently of Alipay and WeChat payments. It aggressively expanded into travel and now has wrestled significant market share from Sea Trip and Tunar. It bought bike sharing leader Mobike in April 2018 this year for 2.7 billion USD. It began experimenting with ride hailing last year and has engaged in open war with Didi this year, getting 20% market share quickly in Shanghai and Nanjing. Wow, that's a lot of stuff that's going on over there. A year ago, in a rare public announcement. Meituan said that it sells 1.2 million rooms daily in its hotel service, another 1.2 million tickets for travel destinations, and 11 million takeout orders per day. In 2018, on its eighth year anniversary in March, it claims to have 600 million active users and 5 million businesses on its platform. And on the food delivery front, Meituan is winning. Earlier this year, a report showed that in 2017, Meituan had market share of 54%, followed by Ilema of 30%, and Baidu trailing at 14%. Wang Xing is doing even better in group buying. In 2016, post merger, Meituan Dianping had a 75% market share, with Baidu Nuomi a distant second. I think Wang Xing is officially kicking butt. Me too, but we're not the only ones. We're going to introduce you to a longtime friend of Wang Xing, and this guy is going to explain to you why he thinks the guy is so successful.
Let's hear what he has to say to our listeners. My name is James Hong.、Um, I am an angel investor, and I met Wang Xing around 2006 when he was working on a startup called Xiaonei with a team of four or five guys in Beijing. And、um, I had met him back then when he was trying to scale that up, and、um, was able to help him a lot, out a little bit with that.、Um, so, known about ten years, and have kept in touch with him over the years as friends. James is being modest. He is the founder of Hot or Not, which is basically a site that does exactly what you think it does. And if you look him up on Wikipedia, he is known to have had a significant influence on the people who went on to create Facebook and YouTube. So yeah, James is a big deal. He had some observations about Wang Xing that we're going to share with you. Yeah, Wang Xing has a lot of characteristics that make him a very strong entrepreneur. He's obviously very smart and、uh, thoughtful. But he's also very kind of unemotionally methodical、uh, about his approach to solving problems. In addition to that, he's has a very low ego. He's smart, but he also recognizes that there are other smart people in the world, and he seems to spend a lot of effort to、um, speak to a lot of other people to get their perspective and、um, look for more data to solve his problems. And in doing that, he's also very patient, and、um, I think he has a lot of faith in. Common sense、uh, believes that hype is not what wins in the end,、um, but actually solving problems and making forward progress on his companies. He's not the type of person who gets caught up in trying to look successful.、Um, he just is very heads down and focused on solving his problems、um, and moving his business forward. And I think that's what makes him so successful. We then asked James what he thinks of Meituan specifically. I'm very bullish on Meituan, and I always have been,、um, and mainly because of Wang Xing. You know, I remember ten years ago when、um, it was pretty early days in the company.、Uh, he was telling me about his competitors, how some of them he felt were kind of making up numbers,、um, or at least pumping them up in ways that were not sustainable and didn't really make much business sense. And You know, rather than copying those tactics, I remember him saying that he would never lie about、uh, his numbers. You know, and I think that's the main thing. He he won't lie to others, and especially won't lie to himself.、Um, and that's what makes him face those problems,、um, the business truths、uh, that he has to solve,、um, whether they're pretty or not. And he just has this laser-like focus on improving his company to the point where it eventually starts working. As Wang Xing said to our friends at the information back in April, it wants to become the Amazon of services. If the other companies are making people's virtual lives better, that's fine. But what he's interested in is that O to O, online to offline piece. Because until we all become cyborgs, that's still where we're spending a lot of our time and money in the offline world. It's kind of like the exact complement to live streaming, which is all about living online. Anyways, Wang Xing wants to capture all of that. Well, if you Google Amazon of Services, that was actually the U.S. company Thumbtacks' tagline back in 2011, as well as many startups that have come around since then. But I really don't think any of them have come close to what Meituan has been able to achieve. Meituan did that large round of funding post-merger. After all, it ended up being four billion at a 30 billion valuation back in October 2017. But earlier this year, there's already been leaks that Wang Xing is headed for an IPO in Hong Kong by the. End of this year to raise another three billion. The information updated that news last week, saying that the rumored price is actually a whopping sixty billion dollars, which we told you at the beginning of this podcast. In comparison, Groupon has a market cap of only two point five billion these days, 
And Yelp, by the way, is not much better at 3.5. So I think in this case, it's pretty clear that the copycat has really outshined and outgrown the original. James had something to say about that. You know, so basically, he succeeds because he's patient and he outlasts his competitors, and you know, he never rests on his laurels. You know, he knows that he, until he's done, he can't stop improving, and he has to just keep moving forward. And this seems to be a common trait among a lot of my more successful friends. I've noticed,、um, and、uh, Wang Xing definitely. You know, in addition to being smart, in addition to being good at、um, figuring out strategies and tactics and, s- and things like that, he also just has a personality where he can work through these things and kind of、um, go through the painful process of solving those problems、um, until he's finally at the finish line. Man, Wang Xing sounds super tenacious. I think I'm a fan. I think I'm going to need to get a Funfo account now. What's going to be your first message? Uh, probably what Wang Xing posted on Weibo the day that Meituan was founded,、uh, about eight years ago, March fourth, two thousand ten. His post was, "Every time you spend money, you are casting a vote for what kind of world you want." In English. So, what do you guys think? Would you cast a vote for Meituan? Let us know. Having trouble keeping track of the fast-moving Asia tech landscape? Try searching a keyword you care about on www.asiaventurepedia.com today. Asiaventurepedia.com is a tool built by Startups Greater Asia, an information hub and strategic advisory company that facilitates business partnerships and tech transactions between the U.S. and Asia. If you are looking for that local partner, new client, or tackling a new market, ask Startup Greater Asia how they can help. We'd like to give a shout out to our partners at SubChina. In addition to our podcast here with Pan Daily, they publish the excellent Seneca podcast. It's a weekly discussion of current affairs on China with journalists, writers, academics, policymakers, and business people. So while we only focus on tech, they really give you the entire overview. SubChina, hand in hand with GGV Capital, also publishes the GGV 996 podcast, which interviews top leaders in China tech and investment. We're big fans, so please go check them out too. That's all for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. We really enjoyed putting this together, and are always open to any comments or suggestions. You can find us on Twitter. We now have a new Twitter. It's Tech Buzz China, and my personal account is Rayma. That's spelled R U I M A. Right. Definitely follow the new Twitter account. My Twitter spelled G I N Y G I N Y. We will be back here same time next week. Tech Buzz China by Pan Daily. Is powered by the Seneca Podcast Network. Pandaily.com is a new English language website that tells you everything about China's innovation. Our producers are Carol Yin and Kaiser Guo.